Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Okay, let's get started. Baruch Hashem, we're picking up now after Sukkot. We're learning Perkei Avot. We're holding Perk Dalit, Mishnah Bet. And we are learning today in the merit of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael that there should be refuah shleima for those who are sick. There should be a pidyon shfuyim for those who are unfortunately in captivity right now. And for all those who are affected in a negative way, they should have a nechama. They should only have comfort and hatzlacha, success moving forward. So let's get started. We're holding Perik Dal Mishnah Bet in Perkei Avot. We're going to learn today about somebody whose name was Ben Azai. Now really his name was Shimon Ben Azai. Shimon Ben Azai, but in the Mishnah he's called Ben Azai. It's not called Shimon Ben Azai, it's called Ben Azai. So the Kahati here explains that the reason he was called Ben Azai, Ben Azai means the son of Azai. He's not even called by his own name. He's called by his father, the son of Azai. is because he remained at the level of what was called a Talmid. He was called a student all of the days of his life. He never went through and got smicha. So he never achieved the status of being a rabbi to be called on his own, in his own status. But rather he was called by his great father, Azai. He was called Ben Azai. Now that does not mean he was not a great person. Actually, the Gemara tells us that Ben Azai and Ben Zoma, another person who was also called by his father's name, were the greatest people in Torah in their generation. And they were definitely fit to give a hora'ah, to paskin alacha, but for whatever reason, they never achieved status of smicha, so they were called by their father's name. Now this Ben Azai was a student of Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania, and he was a student and friend of Rabbi Akiva, so that's the generation that he was in. This Ben Azai loved Torah so much. He had such a desire for learning Torah, that there was one time, the Gemara Yevamot tells us, there was a discussion about people who don't get married. That is a negative thing. You're supposed to get married, have children, etc. So one of the Chachamim turned to Ben Azai. The other people learned, turned to Ben Azai and said, what's with you? Why didn't you get married? You're talking about it. He said, meaning if you're going to expound that halacha, so then you should also fulfill that halacha. Don't just say it, but do it. So he said back, what could I do? He said the famous words. He says, my heart desires Torah so much, and I know if I get married, it's going to take me away because I'm not going to be able to learn with the same intensity, the same focus. I'll be busy with my wife, and therefore I don't want to get married. So as he said, other people will get married and have children. I'm going to continue to learn Torah. Now there is a machloket actually. What ended up happening with this fellow? One version of the story goes is that he engaged, we did Erosin, the first step of marriage, to the daughter of Rabbi Akiva, famous Rabbi Akiva. But then after that, he realized he can't go through with the marriage because of that issue, and he did it, he separated. Other version goes that he actually did Nisuin, he, he went through with it, and still, after that, he separated because he realized he wouldn't be able to learn with the same intensity. But this Ben Azai, Shimon Ben Azai, was known to be a tremendous chacham who could answer all the questions that were asked of him. And that's why when Rava wanted to illustrate that he was ready for any question, he would say, I'm like Ben Azai in the markets of Tiveria. That's where Ben Azai lived. Ask me any question because I'll answer it like Ben Azai used to. Now Ben Azai teaches us about the importance and our focus on doing mitzvot and staying away from Averot. It's a very important idea that Ben Azai is about to teach us. 
So again, Mishnah Bet says like this, Ben Azai Omer, Ben Azai says the following. A person should run to perform a mitzvah kala. What is a mitzvah kala? A light mitzvah. Like chamura, like a heavy mitzvah. Now, who knows what's heavy and what's light? It means all of the mitzvot are important. But it means certain things in our own minds are considered kala. Certain things in our own minds are considered chamura. So the point is, is, Certainly you would run to perform the important mitzvot in your mind. You have to do it. Uh, I don't know, whatever mitzvah you consider important. Maybe uh, Kiddush and Shabbat. Whatever mitzvah people consider important. So they would run to perform that mitzvah. So you should run with the same intensity and the same passion and excitement to perform the mitzvah that you look at in a light way, a lightweight mitzvah. Again, nothing's lightweight really, but you should run to do that just like the one that's very important. And he says the opposite too. And you should run away from Avera as well. Meaning when it comes to Avera, you should also not just avoid sin, but run away from sin. means run away from it with an intensity and a passion because you realize the detriment of it, the negativity involved in performing Avera. So what, what Benazai starts off by saying is, it's not enough to perform its vote and to stay away from Avera. But the, more than that, we also have to run to do a mitzvah, and we have to run away from the performance of Avera. Now, what's really the difference? What's the difference, really, if a person runs to do a mitzvah, or he does the mitzvah, or if he runs away from the Avera, or he just doesn't do the Avera? What's the fundamental difference between them, really? Okay, he did, listen, he did the mitzvah, he didn't do the Avera. So what's really the difference, ultimately? What do you say, Jacob? What, what's really the difference? What's the difference? He didn't do the Avera. He did the mitzvah. What's the difference? Judah, what do you say? Are you washed? What's the difference? What do you say, Tova? I love. So the Mishnah is about to tell us the difference is very important. Because as we're about to see, amen, the difference is that what is really the ultimate reward for a mitzvah? What is the ultimate outcome of a mitzvah? So you say, schar in the next world. Reward in the next world. No, it's not so simple. Mishnah tells us like this, she mitzvah goreret mitzvah, because mitzvah causes another mitzvah. Va'avera goreret avera. And sin begets sin. Meaning when somebody sins, it puts him on a path of performing more sins. Now, actually, it's very interesting. We're going to explain in a moment how the Kahati says it, but there's also a concept in general called neuroplasticity. Science, they, they talk about neuroplasticity, which means that the framework of our brain, there's wires that go through our brain. When I do something and I re repeat that same action multiple times, it creates a familiarity with that concept, and then that becomes more part of my nature. So the next time I want to do it, it's not maybe as difficult or it's not as foreign. It's more familiar. It's very natural. You can understand this concept. Like Hergel Teva is that uh, performance creates nature. I mean, that's, that's how things go. So in a very simple sense, if I perform a mitzvah, this is also, by the way, we talked about this before. If I have $1,000, and I could either give a person $1,000 or I can give 1,000 people $1. We've spoken about this. What's the ideal thing to do? Give a thousand people one dollar. Why? 
Oh, yeah, unless the guy needs $1,000. But let's say you have the opportunity to do both. Give 1,000 people $1. Because what it does then is not only are you helping out 1,000 people, but it creates in yourself a nature of being a giver. That's a different idea. Oh, but you gave the same $1,000. But how did you give the same $1,000? Where you just give $1,000, you know, so you were inspired for a minute, and uh, the inspiration fleet, fleets, it goes away. Or you give 1,000 people $1 each, so there you inspire yourself. Hergil nasa teva. Now you become a giver. Okay, that's one idea. But another idea which Chazal talk about, mitzvah goreret mitzvah naveraz goreret avera, is the pshad is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the, the Midrash brings down, is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you go and perform mitzvot, I'm going to give you further opportunities to do more mitzvot. And if unfortunately you go and perform avera, so then what's going to happen is Hashem makes it more accessible or easy for you to fall into Avera in the future as well. And based on that, the Midrash tells us like this, a fascinating idea. A person should not feel bad or should not be as bothered by the fact that he did an Avera b'shogeg. He did an Avera unwilling, uh, unwittingly, without realizing. So don't feel bad about that as much that now you've opened the, the door to doing more Averot. That's what you should really feel bad about. And he says more. The Midrash says, Midrash Tanchuma, it says, Tanchuma Vayikra, it says, Velo yismach adam al mitzvah You shouldn't be so happy and excited about the mitzvah that you performed, but more than that is you should be happy because you realize this one mitzvah that I performed is the trigger to do more mitzvot. Very interesting mentalities. You go and perform a mitzvah, so you're so happy with yourself. Don't be so happy about the fact that you did that one mitzvah, but more than that is that now HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you the opportunity with more ease or more accessibility to do more mitzvot. Because mitzvah goreret mitzvah, and chas v'shalom, and the opposite. You shouldn't be so upset if you did an averah b'shogeg unwittingly without realizing, but realize that now you've opened the door for sin. That's where you have to be more careful because now you've caused yourself to be in a dangerous situation. Another thing Chazal say about this is that when, actually this is very applicable to the current days that we're in. You know, throughout history there's been different nations that have tried to oppress us. And the Egyptians, then we had the Assyrians, the Romans, the Greek, the... Um, the Roman Greek, right? Persians, Babylonians, Babylonians every, every, and now we have the Arabs, fine. The Muslims. What's the pshat? What is HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing? And you see this throughout Tanakh, the same theme. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu does is, he realizes for whatever reason, and we can't understand this, and we can't point fingers because we don't know. We're chayav a certain punishment, the Jewish people, for whatever reason, and we don't know why. We don't know why. Some people think they could say it's this reason or that. Maybe they know. I don't know. I, mean, I, don't know we, I don't know if we could know for certain. He looks around, Hashem looks around for a nation in order to punish us. But now which nation is he going to pick to punish us? Hashem's going to pick a nation who is already responsible to be paid back, to be punished for something. Because the moment they u he utilizes that nation to punish us, what happens is, you touched my children? You throw it in the garbage. You touched my children, and you're going to get smacked. So Hashem will only utilize a nation who's already chayav some sort of a punishment, in this case, the Gaza, Hamas, or whoever they are, 
Because in utilizing them to punish us, automatically the retribution will be against them, which is what's going to happen. I mean, that's, this is, throughout history, this is the course of history. And that's exactly what happened throughout history. The Egyptians brutalized us, they were totally wiped out. The Babylonians destroyed the Persians, wiped out. Every nation that was utilized to punish the Jewish people for whatever reason that that was necessary was subsequently destroyed. So Hashem looks for a nation that's respond that already is liable some sort of a destruction, utilizing them as the stick to punish us, and then he cracks the stick in half. That's what happens throughout history. So that's the idea here too. Mitzvah goreret mitzvah means if Hashem allowed me to perform one mitzvah, that means I had some sort of a zechut. And he's giving me the ability now to do more mitzvot. And if I did one avera, so what Hashem is really saying is, you're liable for some reason. You've been doing the wrong things and now I'm opening up the door for you to do more sins. Meaning, it's not just the immediate, but it implies that I'm already responsible or liable for something else. That's what the Midrash is really saying. It should bother you because you realize Hashem is allowing you to go in a certain direction. Obviously, you've done something wrong. You've got to turn the ship around. And the Mishnah finishes off, Sheschar mitzvah mitzvah, because the reward of a mitzvah is not in the next world. That's true, but the reward of a mitzvah is the next mitzvah you're going to do. Uschar avera avera. And the reward of avera is avera. Now, the Kahati points out a very important point. I'm almost done with it. Points out from the Gemara in Mesechet Yomah that says, Bali potchinlo. If somebody wants to do the wrong thing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu opens the door for him to do the wrong thing. He allows people to go in the direction they want to. We have Bechira. And if somebody wants to do the right thing, if somebody wants to do the right thing, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu assists. Now the Gemara made a very important distinction, which I want to point out very clearly. If somebody wants to become Tameh, he wants to do the wrong thing, so Hashem opens the door for him. Now it doesn't say Hashem assists him in his wrong way. He wants to do the wrong thing. He has Bechirat. He'll open the door. Hashem, okay, you want to do what you want to do. But Bali Taher, somebody that wants to do the right thing, Misayeinoto. What does it mean? Misayeinlo. Hashem supports him. So, this we find another example where Midat Tova is greater than Midat Puranut, is that the character of Hashem's goodness is greater than the punishment in this context too. If we want to do the wrong thing, Hashem allows us to do what we want because we have Bechira. But if we want to do the right thing, it's not just that He allows us to do the right thing. He'll assist us in doing the right thing as well. So if we decide in our lives, we want to change, the, we want to do the right thing, we want to turn things around, and we make a real decision about that, we're gonna, and we start to, Hashem will assist us. Not just allow us with Bechira, but He'll even assist us in that right direction. So this idea is a tremendous idea to remember, just to keep in mind what Benazah is teaching us is, when we do the right thing, we have to realize that's a zechut that we have. We must have done something right before that Hashem now allows us to do the right thing because by doing the right thing, we're going to do more right things. And chas v'shalom in the negative, also something. So, you know, we do things b'shogeg. You flip a light on, on Shabbat, what's the negativity there? We made a mistake, it's true. But if we were such tzadikim, Hashem would not allow us to make that mistake. Because now that I made that mistake, it opens the door for other negative things. So then what's the response? Okay, how do we respond to it? The way we're supposed to respond to it is, I must not be so makbid on Shabbat, I should learn the halachot, I should be more involved in it. Meaning, take a positive outlook from that and fix yourself up, to fix ourselves up. And for sure, we're doing mitzvot, we're doing the right thing. It's a tremendous chut because we know that Hashem, we, we're in the right place, Hashem's guiding us in the right direction. Okay, we'll stop here, we'll pick up Mishnah Gimel tomorrow, another, another teaching of Ben Azim. Wonderful day, everybody.